You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open our Bibles together this morning. We turn to Paul's letter to the Church of Rome, chapter 10. We're going to read 1 to 13 in connection with the last part of Lord's Day 52. And there the word of our God reads as follows. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. And in your heart, that is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's turn now to the last part of Lord's Day 52. How do you conclude your prayer? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory Forever. That is, all this we ask of you because, as our King, having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because not we, but your holy name should so receive all glory forever. What does the word Amen mean? Amen means it is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, I am not sure about you, but I love leftovers. There's something about taking what's left of a big meal from a day or days before, warming it up, and eating it. In some cases, it's as if the flavor has permeated into it a little more or really settled in. And of course, that may be especially true of soup, but I think it's true of other prepared dishes as well. Now, I realize that all of this may strike you as a little bit puzzling or perplexing. You may even be tempted to say, this is a first. I've never heard a minister preach about leftovers. So what's going on? Well, actually, this is the fault of my young colleague who went on holidays on Monday And don't you remember how last Sunday afternoon he preached on only part of Lord's Day 52? 
And indeed, all he did was deal with the first question and answer, but what about the other two? The last two. What about questions and answers 128 of the catechism? What about the leftovers? You see, he left the leftovers for me. He figured that I would finish off whatever remained on the table, so to speak. Somehow he may have gotten wind of the fact that I love leftovers. And you know that goes for a lot of different leftovers. Also, it goes for the catechism. I love the catechism's leftovers. And there are a number of reasons for this. And the first has to do with the fact that these two last questions and answers deal with orphan words. The first question and answer is about, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And the last one, of course, is about the word, Amen. But you know, there's something about these particular words that round off the Lord's Prayer, and that is, if you look in Matthew 6, verse 13, in the Niv translation, they are not there. You have to look down at the bottom of the page. You have to look at the small print, even at the small italicized print at the bottom. You know, it's as if there is a competition here in our Bibles between words. And the bigger, bolder words are saying, we belong here in the main text. We have a right to be here. And then they turn to the little italicized guys at the bottom of the page and say, now as for you fellas, you don't really belong with us. You're second rate. You'll just have to get used to the fact that you are suspect. No one knows if you really belong or not. You're just a bunch of orphans. And so to the bottom of the page you go. But is that true? Not according to the Heidelberg Catechism. It doesn't treat these words any different from all the rest. It says... Whether these are words of greeting, of petition, of doxology, of closing, they all belong, as far as we are concerned, they have the same status and rights as all the other words in the Lord's Prayer. So the experts may keep on debating and writing scholarly papers, but as far as the catechism is concerned, this is a non-issue. These words are in, and they should be in. And I agree. In reality, these are not orphan words at all. I'm casting in my lot with the little gray guys at the bottom of the page and promoting them where they belong. Right beside the big black words. But that's not all. I love these words for another reason as well, because these words are actually very emphatic. You might say, in a manner of speaking, that these are shouting words. Now, what does that mean? Well, earlier in Lord's Day 47 and following, we dealt with each of the petitions that speak about God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, and thereafter we turned our attention to our needs, our need for bread, forgiveness, and to be delivered from temptation. 
Yes, and if you look very carefully at each of these petitions, the catechism first gives an explanation and then adds a request to the explanation at the end. For example, Lord's Day 47, first the catechism describes what it means to hallow the name of God and then it proceeds to express the strong desire that God's name will be honored and praised everywhere by everyone. Or look at Lord's Day 48. It opens with an explanation of how the kingdom comes, and then it closes with the expectation that the kingdom will one day be all in all. And the result is, beloved, that when we pray these petitions... We are describing both a reality and we're also expressing a hope, a wish, a desire. We expect something to happen. And so now you can see question and answer 128 affirms that something indeed will happen because our God possesses the kingdom and the power and the glory. And therefore it must happen. He will cause his name to be hallowed. He will cause his kingdom to come. He will see that his will is done. He will supply us with bread. He will wipe away our debts. He will protect us from temptation. Truly, he will do it and he can do it because to him belongs the power and the kingdom and the glory. He's our king and has power over all things. He's our king and he will give us all that is good. He's our king and his ways will be glorified. So the words for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Those are words, shouting words of triumph. But then there's also a third reason why I love these final words of the Catechism, and that is because they're also what you might want to call insurance words. And what do I mean? Well, this morning we are busy not only with the Lord's Prayer, but also with the Lord's Supper. And what's the Lord's Supper all about? In a nutshell, it's about forgiveness. It holds out to us the instruments of forgiveness, namely the bread and the wine as signs and seals of the body and blood of Christ. Yes, and then by breaking this bread and by pouring out this wine and consuming it, it's being pressed upon us that this is for us. That Christ Jesus has really, truly paid for us that his blood has washed us, that his spirit renews us, that his body feeds us, that he makes us whole again. But then there are times, of course, when we doubt, don't we? We hear these words, we take these elements, we eat and we drink, and yet sometimes we harbor reservations. Can... Christ Jesus really do this? Is 
what this meal teaches and what it symbolizes really for me. Are my sins really and truly forgiven? And then, beloved, in the midst of all of those doubts, there are these mighty words of the doxology reminding us that it's all true. It's true because to Christ belongs the power and the kingdom and the glory. He has it all. He can make it happen. He will make it happen. What is good for the Lord's prayer is equally good for the Lord's Supper. Our King is both willing and able to give us all that is good. These words are insurance words. Well, that leaves only one set of words, or actually only one word, and it's the word Amen. And what's Amen? Well, it's a victory word. Of course, it has to be said that I don't think I'm wrong when I say that we're sometimes kind of ambivalent about that word, Amen. You know, we use it every day to close off our personal prayers and our family prayers. We also use it more, perhaps, than before in our worship services. But still, I continue to sense some hesitation. Where does it belong? When to use it? How to use it? Well, what to do with the Amen word? Well, perhaps the best way to approach it, beloved, is not as a final word, as a closing word, or a finishing word, but as a word of victory. I might add that's what happens in China. In a sense, I wish I could stuff all of you in my suitcase and sometimes take you with me. And one of the things that would surely strike you is what the believers in China do with the word Amen. Because they use it as a word of triumph, of victory. And they're not afraid to fill the air with it. They even shout it. Whenever some gospel promise is mentioned, especially in prayer, the air explodes with amens. Amens of exclamation and certainty. Underlining that these people are not, in spite of oppression and persecution, are not living in doubt. And neither should we. And we don't have to either. Just, just make it a point to love these leftovers at the end of the catechism at the Lord's Prayer and to use them often. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.